Welcome to Notice History, the podcast where we discover the history all around us. This week, we continue our History at Work series, interviews where we sit down with young professionals working in the heritage, education, and culture industries to see how a love of history has shaped their paths and what it means to them. I know for our listeners in the Ottawa and Calgary areas, on June 12th, No History will be hosting our fourth annual History and Heritage Networking Night, and I'll be there. So will Nick and Keeley. Woo! Yay! This event is a chance to network with history and heritage professionals, to engage with colleagues in the field, and to grow your professional network. The Ottawa event will be at 5.30 Eastern Time at Darcy McGee's Pub on Spark Street. In Calgary, join us at 5.30 Mountain Time at Bank and Barron Pub. For full details and to register for the event, search No History on Eventbrite, or find links on No History's social media pages. We hope we'll see you there. For more information about the event in Calgary, please contact emily at nohistory.ca. For more info on the Ottawa event, email nickb at nohistory.ca. Always, I'm your host, Robin Mullen. And Keely McCavitt. And today we have another McCavitt join us. Done the due diligence, we've searched <laughs> far and wide to find you a distant relative of Keely's, mm-hmm. who we didn't realize was a distant relative of Keely's. This is truly not nepotism, it's just luck and it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> we've invited to join us today Candace McCavitt. Welcome, Candace. Hi, Robin and Keely. Thanks for having me on. Um, also, thank you for the family lesson. It's always fun to know that there's other McCavits out there and that we aren't actually our own little, like, I don't know, anomaly. So, Candace, perhaps you can tell us a bit about uh, the rest of who you are. Not just You're not just Keely's distant relative. You have a, a life of your own, presumably. Yeah, I like to think I do. Um, yeah, I am a super nerdy public historian, community engager in my professional life. Uh, I live in Toronto. I work for Heritage Toronto. I'm pretty steeped in the city, but I'm actually uh, originally from small town Ontario. So we moved around quite a bit as a kid, Uh, possibly why Keely and I never really hung out a lot as children or realized that we had that relationship, Um, but came up sort of in the Owen Sound, Grey Bruce, Bruce Peninsula sort of area before I I came down to Toronto for school and uh, fell in love with the big city and I don't think I'm ever leaving. So that's where I'm sitting right now. (laughs) Well, we're so happy to have you here with us. Um, Maybe you can tell us a bit about what your current role and your previous role at Heritage Toronto have been. Sure. Um, So I've been with Heritage Toronto since the sort of the end of 2015. I came on, um, I actually, this is my third role at Heritage Toronto. (laughs) I've been moving around the organization. Yeah, the first one I often forget about because it really was for about five months. Um, Very short. I came on as the plaques coordinator, which um, I'm sure Caitlin Wainwright probably talked a little bit about. That's where she started at Heritage Toronto as well. I was only in that role for, again, like five months. Um, And then the community engagement portfolio opened up. The person who was doing it retired. Um, And so I moved into that because that really is where my passion is. I 
think plaques are fantastic, but it's not my passion. Community engagement and using um, history and heritage as a, a tool for community engagement is sort of where my passion lies. So I moved into that for about three seasons because everything goes in seasons in terms of programming. So for three seasons and then um, over the last year, I sort of started straddling a line between the community engagement portfolio and more of the development portfolio and working with um, getting the money in through the door so that we could do programs and do more programs and working with sponsors and donors and things like that. Um, for a lot of reasons, there was a sort of a gap in staffing at the organization at the time. So there was a little bit of straddling and then the position was sort of open and my executive director and I on the board had this conversation about me moving into that role full time and leaving the community engagement um, portfolio for somebody else to come in and, and take on and make their own. So since January, I've been full time as the manager of development, whereas the previous three seasons, I was the manager of community engagement. So it's a, a bit of a shift. So in that position, now that you've moved into it, what does a typical day at work look like for you? <laughs> <laughs> Always different? Always different. <laughs> Always different. Yeah, it's there. So far, there is not really a typical day. Having worked in a number of, of organizations across the years, like there really is never a typical day um, when you're working with a small not-for-profit in the cultural field. There's just so much going on all the time that it's not really something you can set your watch to. I have been recently spending quite a bit of time working on our tours program. So there's a lot of um, reaching out to potential sponsors, to potential donors, trying to work with community partners so that we can get the resources through the door to be able to put the tours program on. Um, and this is sort of the same kind of thing that I would have been doing, or I should say the same program I would have been working on in my previous role as the manager of community engagement at the same time. So it's this weird, I've moved into a new role, but my sort of January to March for the last three seasons has been all about tours and my January to March in this new role has been like 90% about tours. Um, so it was a shift in that I'm not working on uh, developing the program of the tours and actually selecting which community partners are coming in to deliver what tours and what the topics are like I'm not doing that programming side of it but instead I'm working with the new programming person to take what they want to do what they think is important to have into the season and make sure that we can actually uh, make it happen from an operational standpoint right so making sure that you know we're doing a tour um, in Liberty Village, which is a really cool neighborhood in Toronto, it's gone through a lot of different changes. It's um, very post-industrial and now really hip and trendy. And it's um, sort of pitching itself as this like creative center of the city for all this tech companies moving in and artists and craft beer and all of that stuff. So it's, it's quite the change. And it's such an interesting neighborhood. Um, it also has relics of old buildings like the Central Prison Chapel and parts of the Mercer Reformatory and then completely new buildings that are these like giant condo towers that are really making a mark on a city and then all of this adaptive reuse of existing factory and all of these really cool things happening and so obviously we want to do a tour in that neighborhood but to be able to really do it justice we need to find um, partners within that neighborhood to work with so I spent 
a good two months talking to the Liberty Village BIA and the large property owners in the neighborhood and trying to get them on board to support the tour um, from a community perspective, but also to provide some sort of like financial support so that we can bring, um, you know, an emerging historian on to help us work on the script and get them some experience. And like, there's all of these different things going on. Um, and before I would have been really focused on who's going to lead the tour, who's the best person to do this, what young person can we get in to partner with them so that we're getting you know, different voices and, and what's the themes and what's, what are we looking up in the archives and what photos are we getting and all of this stuff. And right now I'm like, how can we actually make it happen? And and who are all of the people that we need to talk to so that that programmer can come to me and say, we want to do this tour. And I could say, amazing, here's everything you need to do it. Go have fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so it's been this really weird, like, my brain is sort of in the same spot, but the the focus and how I'm looking at things have shifted. And so there really hasn't been this typical day because I'm learning this whole new way of, of thinking and approaching things so far. It's so interesting because it's, I'm sure in some ways, nice that you're not having to do something that's totally and completely different from what you're familiar with, but having to think about it from a different angle is still challenging. It's still, you know, using a different muscle. Exactly. It's it, and it's exciting, right? I've I've done programming in in some form, community programming, whatever, exhibits, education programming, all of that. Um since I well, since I was like 16, but really, you know, professionally for over a decade that this is sort of this is something different, right? Without being completely foreign and it's sort of the other half of the puzzle anyway like it's 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 really exciting for me right now as much as like if you had asked me 10 years ago or five years ago or maybe even two years ago if I would ever step into a development portfolio I probably would have been like absolutely not I don't want to ask people for money (laughs) right like no way that sounds terrible but really I'm discovering that it's it's not at all. And it, it's sort of like programming and development have to work so closely together. And it really is like the other piece of the puzzle. And it's not such a separate thing. There's a lot of back and forth. And I'm still very involved in in the kinds of stories that Heritage Toronto is telling. But my role in making them come to light is different. Right. And um, mentioned how how you've had to have these meetings and, you know, you need obviously funding. So how, I'm, I'm interested in knowing just like how open and supportive are these, these groups when you meet, when you're meeting with them. So my, like my experience so far, it's one of, that's my hesitation is the like, well, I've had some really great conversations, like things so far have been really good, but it's only really been a few months of me getting, getting into it and really asking people or talking to people with this goal in mind, with this goal of how can how can we work together? How can you support us? And really, I'm looking for, you know, your support, the support of your organization in general, that this programming is valuable, that you think it's an important part of the community fabric, all of that stuff. But I'm asking you for money, right? Mm-hmm. Like there there is that element. It's different. I've actually learned that, and this is sort of like a personal side of the Candace from five years ago would have been like, that's a nightmare job. (laughs) (laughs) My personal realization is that like, it's not actually um, a scary thing. And it's not 
actually that difficult because people know that that's what you're coming to them for. Like, it's not a surprise to anybody that I talk to that part of that conversation is going to be around like money or resources in some way, some kind of in-kind support. You know, they they know it's coming. And so the more or the more upfront I am about it, the the better the conversation goes, right? Because they know that's part of the ask. And they're also much more interested in hearing about what the program is or what the project is and what kind of impact it could have. Mm -hmm. So, so far, you know, a lot of the conversations I've been having, people have been very supportive, right? It's, it's kind of hard for people to say, I don't care about our past in some way. There's people will sometimes, or the perception out there is that people don't necessarily care about history it's not worth spending money on. It's, you know, you you kind of get those ideas. It's boring. It's old. It's dusty. It's all of that. But the more conversations I've been having, we're actually talking about not this idea of, of give us money to do history, but give us money to build the city. Right. And that's actually the conversations that we're having in this idea of of the past is important because of what it has built and what it has taught us and what it can teach us and the value or one of the the big strengths of Toronto and being in such a big city but especially Toronto of all cities is how very diverse it is and how much that diversity has changed over time and continues to change and the the value of all of those stories and being able to invest in telling those stories is what the pitch is more than anything right so with tours and like liberty village for example i basically went on a long rant about <laughs> what we're doing what that tour could be and i could probably give you the hour and a half long tour over skype right now because of how interesting <laughs> and nerdy it is but that that uh, tour isn't just about, you know, um, what happened there 100 years ago or what happened there 10 years ago. It's about both. And it's about um, the, you know, the railroad that came in and the prisoners who built it and the fact that that neighborhood was originally built on prison labor. And then, uh, you know, down the line, the government stuck a bunch of immigrant sheds out there. And so there's this huge history of, of um, national and international immigration coming through the edge of this neighborhood. And then it was all industrial. And that's actually where a lot of um, production during the World Wars happened. And Ronnie, the Bren Gun girl, who uh, Rosie the Riveter is ripped off of, <laughs> worked in that factory on that street. And we have all of those. And it's all of these layers of now businesses are coming in and they've done all of this amazing adaptive reuse work so we can actually talk about built heritage and the value of the streetscape and what it means to have these buildings still even though they're not being used for their original purposes at all and we can talk about how some of them aren't there anymore because all of these artist co-ops moved in in the 1960s and 70s into the 80s and it was such a wonderful space for them and they were able to do all of these things, but they were squatting and <laughs> like, you know, it's not me just coming and saying, we want to do history. Please give us money. It's coming to me saying, we want people to understand why the place that you are invested in is important and all of the things that have added, added up to it. And we want to try and tell as many people as many different versions of this as we can. So, I mean, you've, you've talked about, specifically that Liberty uh, Village upcoming, hopefully, 
hopefully to come tour, which sounds Oh, it's happening. Oh, <laughs> so that's what I was going to ask. Is how many tours exactly do you have? Or on average, do you have? Um, it, ooh. Last year, it was 61 tours. This year, I think it's 62 or 63 tours that we're doing in total. Um, the season goes from about May or the beginning of May to October. Um, tours are usually like there's one Thursday evening after work or after general working hours. Um, and then one on a Saturday and one on a Sunday, either in the morning or the afternoon, we try to, to schedule them sort of consistent times, but something in the morning, something in the evening, something in the afternoon type thing to give people as many options as possible. So in that like six month period, 60 some odd tours, um, we offer each of the tours, like the, the individual topics, so like Liberty Village is, is offered multiple times. So every every individual tour is offered at least twice. So of that 60, there's something like 20 to 22 unique tours. Yeah, and they, they cover all sorts of different topics all across the city. Um, and we also do one of those 20 some odd unique tours is actually a, a bus tour so we try to get a difference of like walking tours bus tours in the past we've done bike tours it just sort of depends on how the season comes together so I may be wrong but at one point was there a beer or a beer related tour yeah we did um the lost breweries of Toronto tour which was very exciting it was unfortunate in that it was not a drinking tour so <laughs> so there was not beer along the way um which super nerdy you can't get into programming and events and things like this without being obsessed with liability so as much as I would like pay to go on a beer drinking tour and I absolutely will uh I would be very hesitant to run one because I don't want to deal with that liability but (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah no so yeah we did do a lost breweries of Toronto tour uh last year we worked with one of our board members. So we have a, a publicly appointed board and we get all sorts of different people who join the board. He He's actually a um, professor up at York University and he does a lot of urban history and things like that. But he put together a tour for us on uh, animals in urban Toronto. So it was looking at the sort of Victorian era Toronto uh, and the role of animals in the city. So cows and horses and dogs and chickens and pigs and all sorts of things. Uh, and it was a lovely walk. It was right through the old town of Toronto. Um, so we worked on having that as a theme because animals are really interesting. And it's weird to think that, you know, at one point there were more horses in Toronto than like cars. So he put together the tour and then I asked him if he would be comfortable if I ran it as a dog walking tour. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, people were really excited about it. We had a, a full tour and there were St. Bernard's and little chihuahuas and like everything in between (laughs) walking in this group through downtown Toronto and stopping and hearing about you know the history of the places and the roles of animals and things so that was a sort of a fun why not let's see what we can do and uh they're gonna do it again this year so at some point in the season this year it's gonna be the same tour because it it worked really well in terms of being able to move a pack of dogs around. Some places in the city are a little um, less friendly to groups of dogs than others. And and we'll see who comes out this time. It's always fun to see the Venn diagram of um, dogs in Toronto who are also interested in heritage. 
So that was fun. (laughs) Yeah. Last year, we um, put together a tour called Creating Toronto. This is a a concept of a tour that has existed for a number of years, but we completely sort of redid it last year. And the idea is just supposed to be um, an introduction to the city, to the hair, the history of it, sort of a high level, but like fun punchy tour of like you'll get if you are a visitor who've never been to Toronto or if you've lived here your whole life you'll get this nice overview of like how the city came to be in a very top level way and here are some like interesting stories that you can walk away with that you never would have seen coming right so it's just a very nice like introduction fun walk you're going to learn something and you're going to hear some some funny stories Um, and we worked with an emerging historian which is a new program that we're developing and the ideas that we're bringing in um, youth, students, um, recent grads, people who are in the first five years of building their career and giving them um, so far they're short contracts, but short sort of paid contracts to work on specific projects so that they have something concrete that they can put on their resume or they have something um, specific that they can point to where they've worked on it from beginning to end in heritage, in the not-for-profit sector, whatever sort of aspect they want to come at. So we worked with this um, fantastic person. Her name's Shannon Hamilton, and she was in her last year of teacher's college. She's since graduated, and she's she is working as a teacher, And but she came to us, and we worked together. And rather than um, me sitting down as the trained historian who has, you know, degrees in this, um, telling her, you know, this is the history of Toronto. You've got seven stops. I think you should tell this story, this story, this story. We need to go in a chronological order, um, do the research, and let me see what you come up with. I told her um, where I would like the tour to start, and where I would like the tour to stop or to end physically, because I had picked really good spots that are accessible and TTC adjacent. Like all of it was a logistical choice. Um, you have 90 minutes for a tour. Here are the best practices. <laughs> you know, don't make people walk more than, you know, 10 minutes between stops is too long. Keep it shorter. Um, stops themselves don't talk for any more than five minutes because, you know, people start to lose attention. But also standing is hard for some people. So we have to, you know, here are all of the best practice logistics things that you need to keep in mind that's going to make a really good tour and a good experience for people. Um and your tour is called Creating Toronto. This is, you know, the the idea, the we want something that's going to be accessible. We want something that's going to be interesting. We want something that, you know, fun stories, whatever. Um, I want you to go away and come back next week and show me what you found, you know? And I, I really let her take the lead on going off and being like, okay, I know where I have to start. I know where I have to end. I know like now I can confine myself in this, like don't talk for four hours because nobody's going to listen to me or, you know, keep, keep in mind that we need to have accessible routes. So that might change where you propose a stop, but go see what's interesting to you. What do you think people should hear about or what's important to you? And she went off, she came back a week later and sat down and the tour that she put forward was it well it's a fantastic tour um and some of it was stuff that I was like yep absolutely like we we need to talk about that you know you can't do a tour in old town Toronto without talking about the St. Lawrence Market like you just you can't (laughs) 
<laughs> right? You know, there are, there are some obvious things. Or, you know, the cholera epidemics is a really important story that people don't hear about a lot. Um, and, you know, she picked up on those things. And then there were other things where I was like, oh, I had no idea that there was a clown riot in Toronto. <laughs> exactly and like she went off and found this and she was just looking for things that were interesting to her or that she thought people should know about and then I worked with her to you know put it in the right form work on a script uh, make sure the research was solid that she was pulling these stories from from the good sources and stuff and not just something that she read on Twitter or something like you know she she knew all of that too but that's what we worked together on um, but she was the storyteller um, and that's how we work with our volunteers sort of across the program and some volunteers come to us and work very closely like Shannon did as an emerging historian and some people come to us um, as community partners so we also worked with a group of um, like which one do I want to talk about <laughs> but some, some of us come as community partners where they um, oh like the Hellenic Heritage Foundation we're working with them this year and they have a tour that they put together about the 1918 anti-Greek riots in Toronto which is a very important story and something that a lot of people don't know about and you also couldn't read anything about it before like five years ago because it was just something that wasn't talked about. And so it's obviously very important to them to talk about this piece of Greek Toronto, Greek Canadian history. Um, and they came to us and they had their tour script already written. And so that negotiation is the like, okay, I don't want to, like, I'm not going to tell you what stories to tell. Let me take a look at the script though. So I can flag like you're talking too long here or, Oh, actually, um, you sort of mentioned this really quickly, and I think you're all very much aware of this because you've spent so much time with the script, but I, I want to know more about this. Can can you tell people more about this? Or I think people are really going to ask questions about that. And and yes, this whole other section is fantastic, but I really think like maybe don't talk about that and just spend five minutes on this because people are going to be so enthralled with it. And that sort of negotiation as opposed to, no, the story of the anti-Greek riots is this, and we are the authority because we are Heritage Toronto, and I will tell you what the history is. It's much more of a negotiation um, and about giving people a platform to tell those stories and giving communities a platform to share what they think is important about, you know, their history, their heritage, or their connection to a place with whoever wants to show up open to the public and we we work to tell you know dozens of stories a year and some tours will be repeated year over year for two or three years and then we'll put something else in um but there's always new stories there's always new tours so there's that sort of roll over if there's always all of these different stories they're coming from the community we're doing what we can to help um, them tell the best story that they can and to give them that platform and to work with them and then we're putting that out there. So thanks so much for speaking with us today. Is there anything specifically that you'd like to promote while you're on here or any projects that are on the horizon? Oh my goodness there's so much going on. So okay I will say um, Heritage Toronto right now is also among its many projects and many different programs, working to revamp our website. And we're going to relaunch our website, heritagetoronto.org. So anybody who's interested in what kind of programming we're doing or what's happening in the city through Heritage should check out 
heritagetoronto.org. It's going to be a great website, and then you're really going to get a sense for the kinds of things that we're doing in a way that our current website does not necessarily show off in the best light. So all of the tours will be up there for the 2019 season, and you can start um, registering for them if you want. You don't have to register, but if you do, you get sort of a reminder, and there are some tours where we're putting together digital packages of photos and other media that you will receive in your inbox if you actually pre-register for the tour but you'll be able to see all of the tours the entire season you'll be able to look at our plaques program and what's going on there you know we have the most active plaques program in all of north america which is really exciting and there's some cool things happening with plaques and we're launching um, a dundas carla our first digital walking tour um you know the state of heritage report is up on our website and information about how you can call me if you want to be a donor is up there and like all of that (laughs) stuff. So um, we are a small shop, but we are mighty and we do quite a lot of programming across the city. Uh, I will tell or recommend, encourage, strongly endorse uh, the people go and check out heritagetoronto.org. Yeah, and we'll include that in our show notes as well. Notice History is a No History podcast. We are produced by Robin Mullins and Emily Cuggy. This week's audio editor was Emily Cuggy. For more information about today's topic, visit us at nohistory.ca slash podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at nohistory.ca or find us on social media at Notice History. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.